This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Psalm 126, the Psalm of Ascents. Uh, These are the Psalms going up to worship in Jerusalem. And they're 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 joyful. They're victorious. They're they point to certain aspects of God's character and nature. That especially when you're feeling joyful and excited about uh, what's about to happen, and the feast were definitely that because oftentimes people spent a lot of time out separated and didn't get to see many new people, and and a festival would have been uh, a time to meet a whole lot of people in a way that that. Most societies and most people during that time period and during that day would have not been able to do it. It, it is relational. And when you have a situation where where people are excited and where people are singing, and oftentimes that's a great time and a great place. That's a great opportunity for for the, the songs and the music to teach, uh, well, to teach things about God. And that's what that's what's going on here. It says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion. And uh, remember, Zion, I always think of the kingdom. And when we read that, he's talking about the captivity in Egypt. He's talking about being, he's talking about being uh, a slave to Egypt. And remember, that is the, of the pictures of the New Testament, the over, overarching picture of the New Testament, the overarching story of the New Testament that, that correlates so directly with the New Testament is the picture of the children of Israel, God's chosen people. When were they chosen? Well, they were chosen in Abraham, and then Abraham's children and, and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren were the were the 12 tribes of Israel, and, and they go into uh, captivity in Egypt, which is a picture of being captive to sin in the world, just like in the New Testament, and, and then God's deliverance from that, and his, his judgment on the world, his judgment on Egypt and the plagues, and then there's a deliverer who is sent to bring them out, and he, and his, he is, he's called the prophet Moses, and uh, Jesus is the second prophet. In fact, uh, they come and ask Jesus a couple of times, the elders and, and the Pharisees, they say, are you the prophet? And what they mean by that is, are you the one who, uh, according to the prophecies of Moses, the one who's to come, the Messiah? That's, that's what they're asking him. And and he is the he's, he's the deliverer. Now, Moses had to use the blood of a uh, spotless lamb on the doorpost of his heart. Jesus uh, uses his own, and he gives his own life for us, and his blood is shed for the uh, sin of the whole world. And that's the picture. And so he, he this reference for, this reference to Egypt and being delivered out of Egypt is a, it is an important, it is an important idea. And every time you see it, I want you just be just like the Jews when they were heading up to Jerusalem for festivals and feasts and to worship God. I want you to see things the way they saw them in the sense of excitement. They, when he says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, what he's talking about is God delivering us from the world and from Egypt. And, and that's, that was exciting to them. That was, 
the preeminent story of their culture. And it really is the preeminent story of our culture. It's the preeminent story of who we are and has been used used many ways, many times. It is, it is the deliverance of God from captivity and from sin. And so he says, we were like those who dream. Notice he, he says, when you get delivered from, um, from uh, sin, when you get delivered from death, when you get delivered from the pain of this world, when you get delivered from those things, and then you receive the goodness of God, the very best of God, you dream about the things that could be. And uh, usually those dreams are very relationship-oriented. They're, they're, they're dreams about your children. They're dreams about your grandchildren. They're dreams about uh, a hope for a future that couldn't exist without God. And uh, boy, that's powerful, isn't it? A future that could not exist without God, but now does exist. He says, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. When you get together in the church and when you get together with other believers and when you get together and hug necks and talk and meet together, I know Terry at the beginning of worship service, most Sunday mornings, he struggles to get folks' attention. There's good fellowship going on. And as a pastor, I, I understand his struggle up there because on one hand, you really want your people to uh, to be making those connections, to be making those life relationships. You, that's what life's all about. That's what the kingdom of God's all about. And you got the tie between, do we want to keep on going with the uh, relationship building or we do, do we want to do the worship of God? It's like, do we do we choose the the filet mignon or, or are we going to go for the big ribeye with all the fat on it? And if we're going to talk about going up to to Jerusalem for a feast, uh, God, God got the fat from the uh, sacrifice. Do we want God's best or do we want God's best? We just want God's best. And we, we do need to uh, worship because that's what we're gathered for. He says, then our mouths were filled, were filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. If you ever run into somebody who's singing under their breath, they're having a good day, aren't they? You never run into anybody who's having a bad day who's singing, not singing under the breath. You know, that if they are singing something, it ain't good. I can, I, I, uh, I, it, it, singing under your breath is always a picture of, it's always a picture, it's, it's just a symbolic and uh, in reality, uh, 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 a joyful heart. And when we think about being delivered from this world and the good things that God has given us, joy comes into our, his sustaining power, his goodness, the uh, land flowing with milk and honey is where he's taking them. And that's the place of his best. Now, it's not, all, it's not the place of no struggle. That is heaven. But the promised land is a place of struggle. It's just that God provides everything. God provides it, and then you battle you you battle against the forces of darkness. You battle against your own will, and you choose His will. It's a great place, and it's a great place of joy. And anytime I'm singing under my breath, I know that my 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 spirit is singing for joy, and my soul is joining in, and and they're coming together. And so He says, He says, out of the tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And you know what? The world does not take notice. You need to understand that. In the Revelation, many nations are judged. Many nations feel the wrath of God. Interestingly, in the book of the Revelation and throughout the Old Testament prophecies, the one nation that does not face the wrath of God is Egypt. Now, one reason could very easily be is that they had they went through the they went through the plagues and and God has already judged them. Another reason is that even though Egypt's ruler during uh, this time period was Pharaoh and he's a picture of the devil, Egypt itself 
is not unloved. God loves the world. And I know that. I'm pretty sure I know that. There's a verse somewhere out there trying to remember it. I think it's for God so loved the world uh, that he gave his only begotten son. I think uh, it's in John. I'm thinking John, early part of John. God loves God loves the people of the world. He does. He loves the world. And, and so when, when we think about the people around us, the people who don't know God or are not born again, have no relationship with God, you got to remember every one of them God loves. He loves every one of them. Some of them are hard to love, real hard for us, but not for God, uh, because he is loved. And learning how to give grace, to see the best, to have hope, to expect maybe that there one day will be a time when their lives will be changed is wonderful. And trust me, they're watching you to see if there is a hope. They're watching you to see if there is a chance. They're watching you to see if you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. See, they're looking for something stable, something real, not a fake, not a tra- not something that's transient and, and passes on by. They're looking for something that's real and firm and strong. That's what they're looking for. And, and when they see that, when they see that in you, just like it says, that within the, they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things. They look and see there is great things going on. There's great things going on in your heart. You know what? People love a good story. People love a story of redemption. We wouldn't even have a movie industry if we didn't have stories of redemption. You watch game day on Saturday morning, sports, all that, a 30 for 30 on ESPN. They're all about something terrible happening and then a story of redemption. Even our criminal shows, even our criminal shows are are shows of something terrible happens, somebody does bad, and justice comes about. Or sometimes it's even a even a redemptive story how God how God changed things and made things new. Everybody loves a story of redemption. The one thing, the one quality about the United States that's been been wonderful for generations and generations uh, past and generations I'm sure to come is that the United States tends to be a forgiving nation. How could the Clintons be around for as long as they've been around if it wasn't? And we've always we've always been who we who people who love redemption. And and let me say this: the people around you want redemption. They desire redemption is written on their heart, uh, just like the law of God is written on the heart. Uh, well, redemption is a part of that, and uh, they're looking for that, and and they want to see that. He said, "The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. We're we are." We have a abiding joy about that. Are you are you joyful and happy and glad for what God has done? Are you? I know many of you have had some deep struggles in your life. Are you glad for what God has done? I know many of you have had a, a deep struggle spiritually as you took on leadership roles. I can I, I continue to think about the pastor when I was a little boy who who was there when I uh, felt the call into the ministry, and he he told me that all the people and there was a lot of them. It shook my hand. He said, now, don't get discouraged. Don't get upset when all these people who say they love you stab you in the back. You know what? The spiritual journey is not always an easy one. And uh, Christians don't act like Christians all the time, especially when Christians get together. And I know many of you have had that. You've had that struggle. You've had that difficulty. And do you, have you been delivered from it? Has God, has God sustained you in the midst of it? Do you walk in the joy of the Lord because of it? 
Are you glad? Great questions to ask when we read this 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 psalm, isn't it? If you're going up to worship God, do you go, go, go up to worship God with gladness in your heart? If you carry a burden, you ought to leave it at the altar. But you ought to go and come with gladness in your heart. That's one thing you don't have to give to God. That's one thing when you go to worship, you don't have to leave behind at the altar. And that's gladness and joy. You don't have to ever leave those behind. He's given them to you permanently to keep. And his gladness and his joy ought to be available to you. And you ought to walk in it on a regular basis because there's all kinds of reasons to have joy and be gladness because of the great things he has done for us. He says, bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. What he's saying is in, in the streams in the south come during the rainy season. If you go th through Israel and you go on a topographical map or a map of, that shows satellite view, you'll notice the farther south you go, the more arid it gets and the more deserty it gets. And the streams in the south are, are not streams most of the year, but they do come and they do come during the rainy season. And what he's saying is, He's saying is, bring, he says, bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams of the south. What he's saying is, let us see those things on, on a seasonal basis. Let us realize what you have done. We're singing this song to remember uh, those things. When the rains fall and when the nourishment's there, we want to know, we want to remember. We, want, we don't want to expect it, but we want to remember our captivity and remember what you have done to bring us out of that. He says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And what he's saying is the struggles of life and the tears of life, ultimately, when they're mixed with the plan of God, bring about joy. And he's saying, I need to remember my times of struggle so that I can remember the joy of the Lord that is in me. And we all have those days and those times of struggle. We all have them. They're always out there. They're always uh, going. When those things are happening, when life is at a, a thousand miles an hour, when that's going on, joy's around the corner. Joy comes in the morning. It's coming. He says, uh, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. What he's saying is if you've got a lot of troubles and, you, and you're going, he's saying you're bearing seeds for sowing, which means if you've got a lot of trouble, there's a lot of joy out there for you. There is a lot of victory out there for you. There's a lot of uh, hope out there for you. He says, bearing seeds for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Notice, no matter the depth of the uh, or the or, or the width of the, of your struggle, the struggle is real, but the victory is even greater and more real. And that's in that. Can you imagine singing that song when you were growing up and thinking about all the terrible things that happened in captivity and singing about those things and then singing about the joy? He says, uh, bringing in the sheaves with him. And that's a picture of the blessings of God. There is a there is an old hymn, Bringing in the Sheaves, and uh, that speaks to bringing in lost people. But I'm not sure exactly how they got that from this. Maybe they know more than I did, do, probably did. And it probably has a deep meaning that I don't see when I'm reading it. But but bringing in the sheaves, we do bring in the uh, the blessing of God. We bring them into the to the house of God, and we bring them in for the worship of God. Because remembering the great things God has done is glorifying God. It is making His name known. It's, it's opening our hearts and our minds and allowing us to see the great things that He has done. And uh, and when we bring those into worship, it's exciting. And every time we get together, I've been in churches a lot of times where it was just seemed like a somber experience. I don't stay 
more than once for that. But when you come into worship and you have an excitement about you, that, that spreads because it is a place of excitement. It's a place of joy. It's a place of hope. And uh, this song is about that. And life is about that ultimately. And uh, God's love for us and his love for those around us will bring that about for you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.